time ago, a little-known Jewish rabbi was walking the beach by the Sea of Galilee. Was he looking for stones that he could skip on the water? Maybe. Was he looking for starfish? Maybe jellyfish? Perhaps. Was he just enjoying the cool morning breeze? Could have been. But was there more purpose and more intentionality to that walk down the beach that day? Scripture seems to tell us it's the latter. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, 17, and 18. One day... As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, fast forward three plus years, a lot has happened. Other disciples have been called, life has been lived, meals have been shared, laughter enjoyed, miracles witnessed, and even, catch this, even miracles performed by these disciples that Jesus had been calling. See, these disciples were truly living out what a disciple in that time did. They studied from the rabbi, but they also began doing what the rabbi did. So these disciples were, in a sense, living a dream Until that dream came crashing down and things went haywire. An arrest was made. False accusations stuck. There were whips, rods, a cross, and death. This was not how anybody expected things to happen, especially if they were living it out in real time. But then craziness happened. And this Jewish rabbi, who was now well known, somehow came back to life. He showed up to this group of disciples behind closed doors. In fact, he showed up a couple of times, and he showed up in front of a large group, 500 plus. Eventually, he left, promising to come back again, but he left. And this time, he said something maybe strange or maybe fitting. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority under heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you even till the ends of the age. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It's what Jesus told his disciples after he left or right before he left. So he gave them mission. He gave them purpose. He gave them exactly what he wanted to do. And these disciples knew what that entailed because they had lived it for the last three plus years. They knew it was not a life of ease. It was not a life of conferences and plush resorts. It was not a life of listening to their favorite speakers on podcasts from around the country. It was a call of discipleship, which was kind of twofold. A call to love. John 13, 35, Jesus says, And your your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Sometimes it's hard to love people, let alone everyone. So Jesus says it's a call to love, and this call to discipleship is also a call to sacrifice. 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Luke chapter 14, verse 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. The walk on the beach started with, Come, be my disciple. And just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, Go and make disciples. Something stuck. Because the 11 remaining disciples, whom Jesus had called, who had lived life with him for three plus years, it turned from 11 into close to 2 billion today who claim to follow Christ, who would say they are disciples of Jesus. Being disciples, making disciples, that's our mission as followers of Jesus, and as a group of people that worships on the corner of Ash and Cortland with a sign that says First Church, a free Methodist community. Our mission is being disciples, making disciples. You've heard me say that if you've been here for a while countless times. In fact, you may have even three years ago sat through a Sunday school series or a formation hour series on how our leadership proposed that we do that, proposed that we be and make disciples. Over the next three weeks, I'm going to share again how we propose to do that. I'm going to share this for three different reasons. First, over the last, I'll say two months, we've had nine new family units stop in the First Church. Now, if they are considering making First Church home, it's only fair of us to let them know this is where we're going and this is how we propose to get there, correct? And if you're one of those new families, you should be saying, yeah, I, I want to know. Okay, that's the first reason. Second reason I've heard it said that vision leaks. You guys heard that? Vision leaks. So if we as a church who has been here for quite a while aren't reminded of where we're going and how we're going to get there, we're just going to end up going through the motions. And we don't want to do that. So third reason we're going to talk about how we be and make disciples is because, well, six-ish weeks ago, eight weeks ago on May 22nd, we had a children and youth discipleship meeting. And we had about 40 people show up in here. And uh, at the end of it, I had people saying, how are we going to let everybody else in the body know that? I said, I know, we'll do a follow-up meeting. So we did a follow-up meeting and six people showed up. It's not that we don't buy into this. It's just that it was a Wednesday night and it's hard to come to church on a Wednesday night. And I understand that. So we're going to share to where everybody gets to hear how we are proposing to be and make disciples. And we're going to go practical at the end of each message in the next three weeks and show you how we want to do that with our students. Sound good? Yes. Thank you. Bishop Matt Thomas last weekend at the Leadership Summit said, our call to discipleship doesn't end until we're dead. Amen. Everybody, two fingers, go like this. I'm not going to scout's honor. Okay? Go like this. Okay. You feel something? Is it beating? Okay, you are called to discipleship then. You are called to continue to grow in the Lord, whether you are two months, two days, or 104. Amen. Amen. How do we go about being and making disciples? How do we be? How do we make? These are good questions, fair questions, legitimate questions. As a church, you've also heard me say we, we try and do that in three separate ways. 
uh, but those ways interlap. The first is communion with God. The second is inclusive community. And the third is living on purpose, living sent, living on mission. These are, this is language from a book, The Tangible Kingdom, written in 2008. We've kind of adopted this language because it just sticks. So this morning we're going to talk about how we do discipleship through communion with God. What is communion? Anybody? Yes. Where we take juice and bread. Give me a high five for that. I know that most of us were thinking that. Okay? That is true. That is communion. That's what Jesus, he said, hey, when you gather together, take this to remember me. That is communion. Communion is also relationship. Communion is God's communication with us and our response to him. Now, it's more than just the normal type relationship. It's a holy relationship. Jesus had this type of communion with the Father. In fact, it was such communion with the Father that he said, hey, the Father and I are one. John chapter 10, verse 30. Exactly that. Jesus was in this holy relationship in such a way that he knew it was good and he wanted all of his followers to also be in this type of relationship. That's why he prayed what he prayed in John 17. John 17, verse 20 and 21 Jesus prays this, I'm praying not only for these disciples who were in the room with him, but for all disciples who will believe because of their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. And as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world will know that they sent us. That's kind of a mouthful of a prayer, but what Jesus was essentially saying is, I want the followers of Christ to abide. And he says in John 15, abide in me and I will abide in you. Jesus claims this oneness, this communion with the Father. And he says, I want my disciples to have that also. And he says, part of how they do that is by abiding in him. So far, a lot of theory, a lot of head stuff, right? So let's get very, very practical. How do we do this communion? How do we do a discipleship? Well, we could point to a lot of different modern books. One of those is Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. He writes about seven different ways people experience God. And my guess is that everybody in here experiences God in one of those seven ways. Well, see, we're not trying to be disciples of Gary Thomas, though. We're trying to be disciples of Jesus. So we want to look at how Jesus experienced communion with the Father. We're going to look at four different ways. Crazy enough, imagine this. All four of these ways are things that we experience between 9.30 and 11 on a Sunday morning, but are also things that we can do the other six days a week. First way that Jesus experienced communion with God is he went to church. He went to church. He may not have said it like that, but he regularly gathered with a group of people seeking to follow God. Mark chapter 1, verse 39. So Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Luke chapter 4, 14 to 16. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up, to read the scriptures. He went as usual. 
That means it was a regular practice of his to gather with a community of believers. Hebrews 10.25 says we should not forsake that gathering. Crazy thought, huh? Gathering together is an opportunity to commune with God. Yes, we come and hopefully we sing some of our favorite songs. Yes, we come and we talk with our friends about the past week. Yes, you may even enjoy listening to me talk, or you may not. But here's the deal. We gather to commune with God. When we gather to to pray as a worship team before service, almost every Sunday we say, God, help us stay out of the way so that people can experience an encounter with the living God. That's what we want on a Sunday morning. So Jesus experiences communion with a gathered community. Second way Jesus experiences communion with God is to spend time in Scripture. If you go back to that text that we just left, Luke chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to do what? Read the Scriptures. And a scroll of Isaiah was given to him. Jesus spent time in the Scriptures. We know this not just because of that Luke 4 text. We know it because when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, every temptation he addressed like so. For the Scriptures say. When Satan tempted him with one thing, Jesus countered. For the Scriptures say. Notice what's not said. It doesn't say, so he got out his smartphone and Googled what the Bible said about it. He knew it in his head and in his heart. So he spent time in Scripture. He studied Scripture. He lived Scripture. When he was encountering conversations with the religious leaders, he would always say, for you have heard it said, but I say. He was referencing the Scriptures. God's heart for us, God's revelation of who he is, it's found in here. You read something like Psalm 119, and you get to hear the psalmist's heart, his desire to know the word, his desire to be shaped by the word. Jesus knew, loved, studied, and lived the scriptures. That's a second way that he communed with God. So let's review. So far we've covered two. What was the first one? Go to church. We're good. We're good there. Second one, spend time in scriptures. This is fundamental. It's basic. I know it sounds like Sunday school answers, but it is vital. Third thing, third thing that Jesus did to commune with the Father, he sang. Many of us have to make sure we have to turn our mics off before we start singing. Some of us can't carry a tune. And yet, for those of us who can, and for those who can't, what an opportunity to meet with God. Can I give examples of our family, Abby? Okay. So, Abby can, Abby can sing. She, she nodded yes. And I asked the boys if I could, if I could use them last week. Uh, Abby can sing. So, when she sings, she communes with God. There's no questions in her mind as, am I on pitch? Okay? One of my sons gets that from her. They love, turn the radio on and they're, they're there. They're in the presence of God. Me, on the other hand, and my other son, we don't have that gift set. When I sing, I'm worried about, am I on pitch? 
uh, what's the tune? Am I going to forget the words? What neighborhood dog am I going to wake up? Okay? I worry about these things when I sing, but I can look at the words on the screen, and I can be deeply affected by those words. Apparently, my other son is just like me. We were driving the other day, had Christian radio on, and I was daydreaming, and this son said to me, ooh, I like that line. Huh? I like the line. Well, what line is that? Well, it was a line in a Casting Crown song, uh, Just Be Held. Uh, Your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. At that moment, this son and I communed with God, and neither of us were singing. Before Jesus' toughest days on earth, before he was betrayed, denied, beaten, crucified, what's one of the last things he did? He sang. Mark 14, 26. After the, the final supper, it says, they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. I think what happened is Jesus was recounting some of Scripture that he knew. Psalm 144.9, I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises. Psalm 147.1, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises. How delightful and how fitting. Even if you can't carry a tune, sometimes it's just good to ponder the words. And when you do, you commune with God. Let's review. Three ways we've covered. First one. Go to church. Woohoo. Second one? Read scripture. Third one? Song. And these are in no particular order, but these are ways that Jesus experienced communion with the Father. Fourth way. The last way we'll look at. Jesus communed with God. He built relationship with God through time and prayer. Again, sounds fundamental, but this is what he did. Listen, if, if you're going to build relationship with someone, you've got to talk to them. You've got to ask them their heart. You've got to understand what makes them tick. If you don't do that, you're not in relationship, you're in acquaintance. So Jesus spent time in prayer with the Father. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Another time, before Jesus picked the, the 12 disciples, it says that he stayed up all night praying. This is Luke chapter 6. Now, it doesn't have to just be major decisions in life or life crises that draws you to your knees. It can also, or it should also, be regular times in prayer. Luke 5, verse 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Prayer as communion. Prayer is key. It's pivotal. It's the life breath of our walks with God. Are you tracking with me? Again, these are simple. These are Sunday school things you would learn. But these are things that even as adults, even I, struggle to do these things well regularly. So let's review, and then we're going to get super practical. First thing, church. Second thing, scripture. Third thing, song. Fourth thing, prayer. Now let's say them backward. What was the fourth thing? What was the third thing? What was the second thing? The first thing? Good. Okay. And for the kids who are filling out those four blanks, we just gave you those answers like six different times. Awesome. Let's get super, super foundational. I told you at the beginning that one of the reasons we're doing this is because we want to know where we're going. As a church, we believe that being and making disciples involves these four things as well as other things. Okay? 
Now, as a church, we are also going to be looking at how we do this with our junior high and senior high students. Because we've got about 15 to 17 of them. They're not here today. But when, when they are here, 15 to 17, and we've got to figure out how to do this sort of thing with them. It's imperative that as adults, yes, as parents, we're training our kids. But as adults in this body, it's imperative that we are purposeful with our young people doing these sorts of things. Sometimes this sort of things happen on accident. Okay? Uh, we do a wanna. We're not doing it in the summer times, but in the fall, winter, and spring, we do a wanna. And I had the privilege of taking home a couple of our student helpers each week, a couple of young ladies. I looked forward to taking them home because they would get in the car and it's James, James, can we turn on the radio? Oh, you bet we did. And probably 90% of the time, we turned on Adele and we just yelled hello at the top of our lungs. And I rolled down the window on the passenger side seat because she couldn't roll it down on her own, and she couldn't roll it back up. And we'd pull up next to people, and I'd just continue singing super loudly, and she's trying to roll it up, and it just, okay. The other 10% of the time, we actually, they would get in the car and, James, let's turn on a Christian radio. And we'd sing. We were communing with God. So sometimes it's, it's incidental. It's not purposeful. Other times it's very purposeful. I've told you before about my friend named Jake. He's a, a Shadow Park High School, former Shadow Park High School captain. We have been reading scripture together, or I should say we've been reading scripture on our own and then talking about it together. So far we have read Luke, we've read Mark, we've read Acts, and last week in 45 minutes we talked about Romans. Yeah. These are not like deeply theological like, you know, conversations, but I tell you what, I learned just as much from him as he learns from me. Because we answer the simple question, what stood out? And it's crazy. What's even crazier is that when we began this process, this kid would not claim to be a Christian. In fact, he's still ah, somewhat close, maybe, maybe not, of saying, I'm following Christ. But we have some of the best conversations. And that's purposeful. That's time in the Word. As a body, as adults in here, I want us to be able to be very purposeful with our junior high, senior high kids. We're doing it at the younger ages. And I want to show you how simple it can be. We're going to look at studying Scripture. Because sometimes if I were to say, I want you to study Scripture with a kid, you might, you know, your airways might start closing up. You start itching a little bit. You're going to start wondering, I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I've never read a commentary in my life. And uh, uh, I want to show you how simple this is. Okay? Right before service started, I kid you not, right before, I asked Ben Armstrong, Ben, why don't you come on up here? So Ben came to church having no idea that this was going to take place. Bless your heart. He is braver than 99.9% .9 of us in here. Okay, I'm going to get you a microphone. For those that don't know, this is Ben Armstrong. Hi, Ben. I have a microphone. Ben is going into eighth grade. So, oh, wow, seventh. Okay, Ben's going into seventh grade. Ben, you have been following Christ for a little while now, right? You would call yourself a Christian? Yes. Okay, awesome. So let's do a mic check really, really quick and just uh, say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. I love it. Follows directions good. I want to show you how simple it is to be purposeful with one of our students and study Scripture together. Okay? All we're going to do, and if you want to face them, great. I get kind of nervous in front of crowds, so I actually may turn around and face the other direction. Okay? But I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. 
Uh, I'm going to read it twice, and then we're going to just talk about five questions, okay? So what we need to pretend, we need to pretend that Ben and I have already been in relationship. You try and do this with a kid, this is the first time that you've ever met them, they're never going to say hi to you again, okay? But we're going to pretend that Ben and I, we've already gone to the baseball night. I've already been at his house eating dinner with the family. Uh, we've laughed together. We've talked, about, we've talked about sports. We've talked about life. Uh, we've talked about shoe size. We're going to pretend we're already in relationship, okay? And this is one of those times that we happen to be at ice cream together. And we're going we're gonna to be intentional here, okay? So this is one of the texts I referenced earlier. This is Jesus uh, says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Now, watch. We're, we're going we're gonna to forget that we're pretending. And watch this. I can, I can have him do stuff. Can you guys read that with me? Read it out loud so we get another chance to hear it. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Okay, so we're eating ice cream. It's really, really good. And uh, we, we, we know we're going to spend some time doing this. Okay? What did you like about that, about that text? What did you like about that story? I liked how Jesus said that he was going to go to many towns, go to all of them. Go to many towns. That's cool. How, why is that? Why is that? Why do you like that? Well, I think it's cool that he's preaching to everybody instead of just a few select people. Nice. That's good. I have never thought of that as I've read that text. I like that Jesus got up. Well, yeah, before daybreak, so he got up early. I'm a morning person, so I, I kind of like that he got up early. Okay. What do you What do you not like? Is there anything in there you don't like? They don't tell us what the isolated place was. Crazy, yeah. What do you think it might be? It could have been on top of a mountain because Jesus seems to like those. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been on top of a mountain because Jesus seems to like those. Yeah. Could have been a cave. Could have been could have been a, a really large bush. I don't know. That would that would have been good to know. I didn't like that uh, Simon went and interrupted him. See, I'm an introvert. So when I go off by myself, I want to be by myself. But I guess Jesus was needed, like you said, to preach to everybody. Okay, so let's see. What did you like? What did you not like? What questions did you have? Any questions from there? Um, well, I already said the question of where the isolated place was. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. But maybe also who, why everyone was looking for him. Yeah, Because yeah. it was really early in the morning. You would think they would have been sleeping, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder, in reading this, if I know nothing about it, I wonder, do we have to be by ourselves to pray 
or can we pray with a bunch of other people? Because I noticed that when Simon and the others found him, it doesn't say they joined hands and sat in a circle and continued to pray, right? It says that Jesus went off to other towns as well. So what does, what does this teach us about Jesus? What does this teach us about God? That he will get up very early to pray to God. Yeah, that he'll get up early. <laughs> Instead of just doing whatever is convenient for him. Do you guys catch that? You want to say it again? That Jesus will get up in the morning to pray instead of whenever it's convenient for him. That Jesus himself was willing to sacrifice to spend time with the Father instead of doing whatever was convenient to him. Yeah, that's what we learned about Jesus. Kind of like what you said, I learned that he's got a heart for everybody, which is good. Okay, so let's, uh, as an eighth going into seventh, excuse me, and as uh, somebody who's been out of seventh grade for a few years, um, let's, let's do something practical. How can you put kind of what you learned about Jesus into practice this coming week? You could tell people about God, or instead of just um, preaching to one person, you could do it to many people, like sure. many towns. Yeah. And you could pray. Yeah. You could look to a lot of look for different opportunities to share about Jesus. And you could definitely pray. If I was to go super practical, I, I would say, you know what? Um, I'm gonna set my alarm for five minutes earlier than I normally set my alarm so that I can get past myself and spend a little bit more time praying, kinda like what you were saying. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. We just communed with God. We just did discipleship. So here, here would be the next step. All right, Ben, hey, uh, I'm going to call you middle of the week, and I'm just going to see how you're doing. I'm going to see how school is, and you're going to tell me, James, it's summer break. I'm not in school, okay? <laughs> and, and, then, and then maybe another week or two we'll do ice cream again, and we'll maybe do this again, and we'll, uh, we'll just keep learning. Sound good? See how easy that is? Let's, can we give him a round of applause? You are free to go. Thank you for the ice cream. I will, you know what? Um, you're out of school, right? Um, uh, VBS is next week? This week. I'm going to find a time to take you to ice cream, okay? Okay? Hold me to that. Okay? So, in fact, grab me afterwards, and uh, we'll set a time. Um, my guess is that most of you, had I said beforehand, hey, you want to come up and let's, let's do a little uh, intentional discipleship in front of everybody, you would have said no. But with a young person, we need to be intentional because our goal is to create lifelong disciples of Jesus. Our goal is not to have the biggest youth group. Our goal is to make sure that when these kids are in college, they're following Jesus. When these kids are getting married and having kids, they're following Jesus. When these kids are 80 and 90, they're following Jesus. And we do this through very purposeful, intentional ways. Communion with God part of our discipleship. It's part of us being and making disciples. I'm going to lay out the rest of our you know, the vision that God's laid on my heart for the last six years uh, for our student ministry in the next couple of weeks. But something like that is a key and vital part about it. So here's my practical question for you. Are you willing to at least pray about whether you could be in a relationship, a purposeful relationship with a student? At least pray about it. I want to pray, and then we'll conclude in song.
Lord God, I thank you for Sundays that are super practical. I thank you for reminders of ways that we can develop and build and maintain our relationship with you. Father, I pray that this week um, that you would help us. Uh, We have gathered as a community, but we don't have to just do that on Sunday morning. God, I pray that you would help us to spend time in your word, not just to check it off a list, but to get to know your heart and your heart for us. I pray, Lord, for opportunities to sing, whether it's uh, with a group, whether it's in the car, whether it's in the shower, uh, whether it's just in our own heads. Lord, I pray for purposeful times in prayer with you also, for each of us. Lord, this week we want to further, we want to grow our communion with you. And God, as we as a church look at how we can do this with our junior, senior, high students, I pray that you would uh, impart on our hearts, that you would weigh on our hearts the need to do this, and I pray that you would raise up the people you have in store to impact the lives of students. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.